cheek. You don't have to sacrifice flavor whatsoever by roasting tomatoes. You can concentrate their flavors and they caramelize those sugars. And I use those in a million different ways. And that's one way to start off with a foundation of flavor. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Suffolk, Virginia, Wolf Creek, Montana, and Catherine, Australia, up in the Northern Territory. We appreciate you all helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 77 of season 5, number 376 overall. And it also happens to be a master class in cooking without, get this, without salt, without oil, and without sugar. SOS free. Now, you may be saying, hold the phone, my friend. How is that even possible? If you cut the salt, you cut the oil, you cut the sugar, you cut the flavor and the food is just as bland as bland could be and therefore that diet is not for me. To which I say, not so fast my friend, because today on the show we will be replicating all of your favorite flavors, giving you some phenomenal ideas on how to do what you may think is impossible, but it's not. And my guest is highly qualified to teach us all about this exceptionally healthy way of cooking that is indeed quite tasty. Kathy Caton Grazzini is my guest. She is the author of Love the Foods That Love You Back. And so this masterclass today that she will be teaching us includes the basics of SOS free cooking and then how to draw out all of the sweetness of fruits and vegetables and eliminate that need for refined sugar. Tapping into nature's sweetness, my friends. Plus, we will be learning the fundamentals of stir frying and sauteing without oil. I can't tell you how many times we've gotten that question when we talk cooking here on the show. How do you saute without the oil? Today, we will be learning. And so really what we have here is phenomenal advice for first-time cooks and lifelong master chefs to take everyone's next kitchen creation to the next level. So think about this. Take the salt out of the equation. That brings your blood pressure down. Take the sugar out of the equation. Lots of health benefits there. Get that blood sugar in check. No oil. That brings the fat in your diet way, way, way down. And it helps to put an end to the struggle you may have had with your weight. No more yo-yo dieting. So when you combine all three of those things, you take out the salt, the oil, the sugar, you're talking about a recipe for taking your risk of chronic diseases from a rolling boil to just cold water in a pot. And that puts you in pretty good shape for a healthier future. And all of that, my friends, all of that is being done through cooking. That's pretty cool. So let's all learn to do this together. School is in session. It is time for that master class on mastering your health in the kitchen. Hello. So good to see you, Kathy. Hey, Chuck. Let's talk SOS. Let's talk about saving ourselves 
and flavor at the same time. So if somebody is cutting the salt, the oil, and the sugar out of their diet, and they're still looking to have those bold flavors on their plate, what's the secret there? Oh yeah, there are so many things you can do. You don't have to uh, sacrifice flavor whatsoever. Um, you know, the vegetables and the fruits and the whole grains and the legumes, all the herbs and spices, and fungi, the mushroom kingdom, everything that's available widely and so easily available from all over the world uh, at our fingertips today. Uh, there are so many uh, techniques that you can use. So let me share a couple right off the top of my head. Um, you can start with the vegetables, for example, and uh, by roasting uh, tomatoes and roasting uh, peppers, you can concentrate their flavors, reduce uh, the liquids in them, and they caramelize those sugars. And I use those in a million different ways in sauces and in glazes and just in ingredients and different recipes. And that's one way to start off with a foundation of flavor. Uh, you can braise your dishes. So you start them in a pan, you, you know, and you soften, you cook those vegetables, and then you finish them in the oven where they reduce the liquid once again, and the flavors can pop. Um, you, can, you can cook vegetables uh, in, and fruits in, um, in parchment paper uh, with herbs, and you, you just you know, simply roast them uh, in parchment, stapled uh, to the uh, underneath and around. And uh, potatoes are a great way to cook that way. They get crispy on the outside. They're soft and creamy on the inside and with rosemary or sage and thyme. And th that, that's another way to go. But then there's, you know, as I mentioned, the herbs, I, all, all my recipes in the cookbook and elsewhere are very rich uh, with taking advantage of herbs and spices because that lends local flavor um, it gives character from, uh, and it costs pennies to do that. You can have a little herb garden outside your window like I do that I just freshly clip uh, every time I'm making a, a dish of different sorts. You can use mushrooms uh, fresh and compress them in a pan, sear them till they get um, crispy on the edges and with a little bit of pepper, um, you can have an incredible uh, experience with, with mushrooms and use dried mushrooms and grind them into a powder and use that as a seasoning uh, for lots of umami pop to your pilafs and risottos and, and soups and stews and so many different things. Let me let me interrupt you here. Uh, you're you're running down like a whole laundry list of things. I think that for the newbie chefs, they're like, I hear you, but I mean, seriously, if we roast those vegetables, can you still get that that sweet flavor? Like, how would that compare to adding sugar to a recipe that a lot of us have been trained to do since you know we we could cook? You know, can you still get that same level of sweet just by roasting those peppers as you oh, were saying, absolutely. or using sweet potatoes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and also fruits and dried fruits are full of their own natural uh, sweetness, as are many vegetables as well. And when you reduce them, uh, either using dried fruits or, or roasting, one of my favorite things is to roast uh, plums and peaches and, and apricots. Now we're in that season. We're so lucky. And you roast them and it just concentrates their flavors. And they, you know, I don't know if you've ever uh, barbecued um, pineapple and peaches and so forth. They're incredibly sweet, more than than you you might realize. 
people like to say that uh, salt and sugar and so forth, you know, brings that olive oil, brings out the flavor of dishes. But um, I beg to differ because um, they really mask the flavor of dishes and you lose our sensitivity, you dull down your senses. So that's all you're really tasting. Um, but when you get rid of those uh, super inflammatory elements out of our cooking, you all of a sudden you can begin to perceive the subtle and wonderfully rich variety of flavors that you get from fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans and mushrooms and everything else. Um, it, it unmasked and it kind of wakes up our senses, you know, because uh, we've been dulled by the cuisine that Americans more and more have gravitated to through marketing and availability and cost and everything else. And it's a, it's a shame. For sure. So we, we've got the sweet covered there, but what about the people that are like, eh, I don't really have a sweet tooth, but I do like salt with my dishes. So if you're trying to cook, but you don't want to add the salt to the dishes, what are some foods that we could gravitate toward that still kind of have maybe a natural sodium occurring that's a lot healthier, perhaps? Sure. So there, you know, there's people don't realize that there is sodium in our vegetables uh, as well. Um, and I often find that when I'm working with leafy greens, um, just all, you know, beet greens or spinach greens, you know, if you taste them raw in particular, you will taste how saline they, they truly are. And we just don't really appreciate it because we're so over-salting our, 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 our dishes. But one ingredient that I, uh, especially for people that, um, that are new to this way of preparing their foods and, uh, and are, you know, the leap to salt free would be a very big st step. And, you know, salt is one of the tastes that we are imbued with in our mouth to perceive. And that is, I work with miso paste uh, quite often because the studies that have been done out of Japan, uh, human studies on miso indicate um, that uh, they actually are heart healthy. They, in, in spite of their saline content, um, they, they reduce heart rate and they don't elevate blood pressure. So for the time being, as long as the data is pointing in this direction very strongly, uh, I, I, they're a lot less salty than salt itself. And you can flavor to taste, you know, based on your own preferences. Um, there are very mild miso pastes like shiro, white miso, which is uh, fermented for just a, a you know a number of months to the slightly stronger, darker, uh, richer tasting uh, aka misos, and there's a whole bunch of uh, gradations in between with what's what's uh, what people have fermented and made available. Um, and you can dehydrate your miso paste. And this is in the cookbook as well uh, into a powder that uh, you, you you know I grind into a powder and use it as a finishing. Uh, so, salt, so to speak, a finishing flavor um, that you can use very, very little and melts right on, you know, on the tip of your tongue, you know, while you're eating it. And you can really bring down the salinity um, of uh, uh, and, the, and the danger to our arteries and to our gut uh, from, from eating table salt, for example. Kathy, what did you become a miso master? It sounds to me like you've tried every form of it under the sun. I, I am fascinated by miso paste. Um, and, uh, and they, because they, end, they, they lend so much character, they have so much flavor and they can, um, because it's not just 
the, the saline composition, because they're fermented with koji, uh, it's a type of culture, a type of mold, um, they are very rich in subtle flavors. And the substrate could be soybeans, but often they're made with other legumes and grains as well. So there's there's just so many possibilities and, and they, they, they really lend a unique character to various dishes, not just Asian dishes. I use them um, across the board. So people have those options when they're looking at the recipes in the cookbook, for example, they can use them and use them a little bit, you know, flavor them to as much, much or as little as they want or omit it altogether if they, if they prefer that as well. So give them all your options. So we've talked about the salt, we've talked about the sugar. Now let's talk about keeping things low with fat. And the first thing that a lot of us turn to then is taking the oil out and thus the SOS part of it, salt, oil, sugar. Um, what are some of the ways that you would recommend somebody begin to cook without oil? We've talked on the show previously about water sautés. Beyond that, you know, what are some tips that you could give the exam roomies? Yeah, well, let me let me start a little bit. This is such a great question because this is the typically the thing where people um, that don't have um, even people with culinary training they make a they make a a mental leap and they assume well I'm used to cooking with oils and fats if I'm going to saute anything as a foundation a sofrito a battuto an Italian battuto mirepoix for French dish or whatever it's the foundation of most stews and soups and casseroles and so forth. I'm not using oils, I'll just have to use liquid. And uh, what ends up happening with a typical, the way people think they should approach uh, water sauteing is that they just add a liquid right in the pot, you know, when they're adding their aromatics at the beginning of, a, of the process of cooking their dish. But what you end up doing is you basically are steaming all your vegetables at the get-go and you never develop those caramelized flavors from those onions or shallots and celery and carrots and so forth that might be the foundation of your dish. So instead you do it dry on a hot pan. You just put those vegetables in there to begin with. They're full of water. You know, people don't realize how much water content are in you know, our produce. Just let them cook right on their own on a medium flame in a hot pot and they will begin to release their liquid. And that's the foundation and how you begin to build flavor when you're doing a saute, um, for example. And, uh, and after five minutes, you know, three to five minutes or so forth, stirring around, you'll see that the pan will begin to darken, your vegetables will begin to darken a little bit. It's at that point and that point only that you would introduce just a little bit of liquid and it could be it could be a juice or a, a salt-free broth. It could be vermouth or a, a wine of some sort. It could be any, any liquid that you want. It depends on the dish. Um, and to just simply as a vehicle to deglaze that pan and scrape up those caramelized sugars that have adhered from your carrots and your, and your onions, for example, at the bottom of your pan. And that's the beginning of your flavor. And you add your herbs then and your your, um, you know, your other aromatics and you start to build flavor in your dish from the ground up, but you don't start with water. You don't start with liquid. That's where people go wrong uh, oftentimes. So when you start to see that browning on the bottom of the pan, initially, that's not time to panic. That doesn't mean that your food's burning 911, the dish is ruined. 
no, you're not, you're not, you're not walking away. This happens in a couple of minutes. So you're not going to leave the room and come back in 10 minutes. Then you might have a, a problem where things are really sticking. But um, you know, you want that caramelization. That those are those sugars that um natural sugars in the produce itself that that really elevate a dish and begin to build flavor. Um, and then and then depending on the dish, you add your chilies, you add your mushrooms, whatever it is you're cooking, your vegetables longer, you know, cooking ones first, heartier herbs first, and, uh, you know, you go from there. And you add a, just a judici judicious amount of liquid as you go to prevent sticking, um, but uh, not more than that unless it's required by the dish. Um, but that's that's how you keep things from getting soggy and everything looking gray. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So when you say a judicious amount, is is that one of those things where I guess you just kind of have to learn by trial and error to figure out what that sweet spot is with the amount of liquids? It's usually just, it's so little, it's a tablespoon or two. It's just what you need to be able to, to again, with a wooden spoon, you know, scrape up those sugars, you know, and then, because again, whatever you're adding in has water content in it too, and they're going to release the liquid as well. And then, and you observe as you go, you use, you know, in this way of cooking, you're using all of your senses, your, your eyes, your ears, your nose, you know, you're tasting as you go, you're, you're, it's such a sensual way of cooking. It's very fun. And you, and you'll get a feel for it very quickly. This is not rocket science. It happens, you know, it's a very natural sort of thing. And once you just do it once or twice, you start really getting comfortable with what you're we're working with and it's not difficult to figure out how much liquid you don't want to you don't ever kind of want to look 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 the way people used to do with oil this is minimal amount of liquid only as much as you need um to keep things moving and, and to prevent sticking in your stainless pan and when you reach that point you add that little bit of liquid you're pretty much near the end of the cooking process, I would imagine, because in my experience, that water, it, it uh, evaporates pretty quickly. It, you know, it's scrapes up that glaze, as you like to call it. Yeah, well, you know, there's a little, it depends what you're cooking. Like, let me, let me try to make it concrete with, um, uh, let's say you're doing a stir fry, you know, a kind of a Chinese stir fry. So there, you know, you might have you know, you might be throwing in mushrooms. They're going to release a lot of water after you initially start. So you'll add them as well. You might have Chinese broccoli or, um, you know, bok choy or, or zucchinis or, you know, whatever kind of vegetables, you mean, you know, red peppers, all full of, of moisture as well. So you want to keep things on the dry side. In a, in a case of a stir fry, at, at the same time, you know, when you do a stir fry, you want to have all your vegetables all prepped and ready to go because it's a fast cooking thing at a fairly high heat, even without oil. Um, and so your vegetables you're adding, you know, based on their cooking time, and you've already mixed up your finishing glaze, which is simply some seasonings with um, uh, arrowroot or cornstarch or whatever, a little bit of starch, you know, a little bit of a whole grain flour uh, that you mix with water and you might have um, a little, I don't know, black vinegar or tamari or, you know, again, what a miso, you know, to flavor uh, your your liquid, um, so some Shaoxing wine perhaps. And that's at the very end when, you're, when your vegetables are crispy cooked the way you would want them in a stir fry, you glaze all those vegetables for the final two minutes Toss them all around till the the uh, the starch is thicken a little bit, 
and create a glazy sauce that finishes that dish. You're so. such a foodie. I love it. Shaoshan wine. That is definitely in the five seasons that we've been doing the exam room. Never once come up. I, I absolutely adore it. You know what you're doing in the kitchen. But that is not the case for everyone. You know, there are a lot of people who are scared to go back into the kitchen or enter the kitchen arena for the very first time because they think, I could never cook. I could never do what Kathy's doing. I couldn't even follow these recipes in their book. I burned water for goodness sakes. So if somebody is new to the culinary experience and cooking their own meals, I mean, what advice do you have that could help get them comfortable in the kitchen? Well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, love the foods that loved you back. I, we, I had that in mind from the get-go because so many people have stopped cooking. I've met so many people my age and older who said, I'm done. My kids are out of the house. That's it. I'm, I'm now it's the easy street. I don't want to cook anymore. Or kids um, my son's age and younger who are millennials and, you know, Gen Z and so forth that just never grew up with cooking. We're eating processed foods all the time and still are taking out. Um, and that's part of the way they're living. So in the building blocks, it's the very first uh, recipe chapter in the cookbook. I have all sorts of uh, easy, uh, re easy and fairly fast recipes. You know, simple sauces that you can make with vegetables or just simply serve over um, pasta or whole grains. Or you know, there's uh, the simple yogurt that I use in dressings and I to make cheeses out of and just you know, in, in, in sauces and just all sorts of ways. Um, there's, um, there's, you know, a wonderful red sauce and a white sauce, these classic, you know, even a sauce made with, with, with roasted peppers that I was talking about before, because they're so flavorful. You can just throw them in a blender and make a sauce out of it or garden tomatoes or store-bought tomatoes, just throw them in there and, you know, cook them down and you've got a wonderful rustic tomato sauce, which you can use over baked potatoes or grains or in a million different ways, but lots and lots of easy, simple recipes. And then there are soups and, and so many other, um, you know, simple and fast dishes, uh, as well as some that are more celebratory. But um, for the food shy, you know, cooking was not meant, and, and traditionally it never was a solitary activity. Um, it wasn't one person, you know, cooking for the rest of the family and, and, and lonely in the kitchen doing his or her thing. You know, no, cooking was a communal. It was a familial. There was generational. So my best advice is to make a party, you know, have a neighbor uh, or a good friend who wants to walk this journey with you and learn to cook. Get them in the kitchen with you. Turn on some music, you know, pour yourself something, you know, tasty and refreshing to drink and have fun you know it we we evolved around a fire pit you know cooking sharing food eating together it's not just the nourishment it's the emotional and social connection that we get when we cook and eat and share what we've created together which is so missing in our culture right now and so vital for our mental emotional spiritual and physical health so. No, no question about it. And going back again about that simplicity, you were talking about the, the sweet pepper sauce. I mean, I've got it right here on page 62 of the cookbook. 
And this is just three ingredients that you can do in 20 minutes. And it's not like you have to slave over the stove for all of those 20 minutes. No, you put the peppers in the oven. And then uh, once they've done their thing in there, then you blend it all up. I mean, you're talking about your actual commitment there is probably like somewhere in the ballpark of five minutes, something it, like that. Very it, easy to do. Yeah. Um, There's and an then, artichoke sauce that's very similar as well in there too. So, so there, yeah, sorry. That's what I'm talking about. Artichoke sauce. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling good about that. Uh, Kathy, the last question that I have for you is about introducing new flavors into our palate, right? We all have somebody in our life whose menu for their entire life has really extended no further than peanut butter and jelly or grilled cheese sandwiches or chicken nuggets. We're talking about people who have never had a taste of Chinese food, never even had a burrito. So how how can you kind of nudge somebody out of their culinary comfort zone and try all of these new flavors? Yeah, wow, I feel sorry for the people that are so <laughs> <laughs> restricted, but we all start where we start. None of us, you know, um, you know, have had, most of us have not eaten the globe. You know, we start with the culture or the, whatever we grew up with, whatever we, you know, start with. I would start there. I would start there with what's familiar, what's what comfortable, what's what not threatening, you know, an easy cheesy sauce instead of melted mozzarella, you know, that's in the cookbook that takes no time, you know, 10, 15 minutes to make. Then you can, you know, you can gradually, you know, put a toe in the water, get exposed to uh, another culture. I mean, um, you know, you don't have to go high spice if you're shy about doing that. There's just, you know, Italian cooking is very ubiquitous. People are, most people have had their pizzas and their pastas and so forth. You can start there with plant-based. You know, if you like nachos, you know, if you, even if you haven't had um, traditional Mexican cooking, you can start with beans and bean, you know, chilies and purees and just, you know, introduce yourself to some of these seasonings because the spice, it's not just for flavor, it's for it's for our health as well. These all of these herbs and spices are loaded with polyphenols. In fact, the, this whole cookbook is like a polyphenol, you know, cookbook. What are polyphenols? They're compounds that are just in plants that are so rich in antioxidants. They just do amazing things for us and for our gut health as well. And so the more we can just, you know, gently expand our horizons, starting with what's familiar and branching out slightly in different directions, different combinations, you know, adding a new vegetable once a week, you know, <laughs> or trying <laughs> some spices from a different cuisine. Oh, today I'm gonna try something Indian or Mexican or, you know, Japanese or whatever it is. It's um, it's just such a pleasure and it's, it, 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 it's a cornucopia of possibilities that are out there. Why limit ourselves? You know, it's better for our health, it's better for the planetary health, you know, all of these, all of these foods are so low in the carbon emissions that they generate relative to animal agriculture. It's just like, there's no comparison. It's, it's what we can do for ourselves and for our families and our communities. And it's so fun. It's such a pleasure. It's so enriching. So, you know, don't feel shy about it. I mean, if you're cooking for and you're not experienced, what's the very worst thing that can happen after all? It's a very low risk thing, you know? You might, you know, 
I don't know, it might not come out exactly the way you want it, but it will still be good. No matter what you do, you can't go wrong. And so you can just, you know, take it wherever you start and, mm. and go from there. That's the key. I mean, you, you can't go wrong. It's just like, take that little step outside of the comfort zone. You're not going to mess it. It reminds me of like Bob Ross's theory when it came to painting. I don't know if you ever watched the joy of painting. He said that there were only happy little mistakes, right? It's the painting was never ruined. You know, it just something happened and, and you just go with it. And that's cool. Right. Um, but I, I'm just looking at the table of contents here, Kathy, in the book, and it really is. I mean, it is it is just a tour of taste here. I mean, uh, the table of contents here, just under soups alone, you've got Latvian lentil soup, Greek vegetable stew, Turkish eggplant lentil stew. You've got an Ethiopian vegetarian stew. And then over in the breads, you've got an Armenian stuffed flatbread. You've got uh, mapao tofu, Asian inspired. I mean, you've got literally flavors from all over, including Italy as you mentioned. And uh, I mean, this is, this is, there is something for everyone. And I love the fact that you do kind of graduate from those simpler recipes into something that yeah, takes a little bit more time and energy and effort. But at the same time, I didn't stumble across any recipe in this book that even somebody who's kind of a novice in the kitchen, such as myself, should be intimidated by. When you look at how you break these things down, it really is something that even a newbie can jump right into page 222 and give that recipe a go. I have no idea what that recipe is, but I'm pretty sure they could just jump in and do it. Was that something you were cognizant of as you were putting this together? Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I, I wanted to explain it. The recipes are constructed in a way that they explain in great detail what what uh, what's involved, what the ingredients are, even if you've never used a certain ingredient before, what to look for as you're cooking so that you know you're staying sort of on track. And my hope with the cookbook, um, as strange as this might sound, is that people will get an, enough feel for working with plants and fruits and whole grains and so forth um, in in this in this very healthy way that eventually they won't need a cookbook. You know, they'll develop the right instincts instincts just by making these recipes a couple of times that they can go off the grid and take advantage of whatever really looks great in the marketplace or in the farmer's market at any given time to come home and say, oh, what am I going to do with this today? I'm going to use these herbs. I'm going to combine these things. I'm going to make a beautiful saute or a salad or a soup. And, you know, and then it's just incredibly liberating. Uh, once you you learn your ABCs, and I hope that it this could be a roadmap so to to free people up to to really find their inner chef. And uh, just to confirm, I did flip over to page two twenty two, and it is a delicious recipe for plum chestnut tartlets. So uh, <laughs> who wouldn't want to add that to uh, their dessert menu, right? I mean, that's just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for your time. The book is "Love the Foods That Love You Back." There is a link to it right now in the show description or in the episode notes. Absolutely, pick up your copy, and uh, I would love to have you back sometime. This has just been a fantastic half hour. Thank you, Chuck. I've enjoyed it too. There's a link for you to pick up your copy of Love the Foods That Love You Back, Kathy's incredible cookbook in the episode notes. And you can really tell that Kathy has been cooking for quite some time, can't you? And she still has as strong of a passion for it as ever. Loves what she's talking about. I love that energy and it gets me all fired up to spend some time in the kitchen. 
I'll tell you what else I'm fired up about. All of the soups and the stews that she has in the book. The weather here is starting to turn a little bit cold. It's time to fire up the stove and get those warm meals going. And it's funny, the shows like this, it kind of makes me think back to that whole misnomer about what do vegans eat? Nothing but bland salads and they graze on the grass with the cattle. Not even close, my friend. There's so much that you can do by eating a plant-based diet and you are not restricted whatsoever. The sky truly is the limit in terms of your culinary potential. And yeah, so today we were talking about taking the salt, the oil, the sugar out of your diet. And cooking that way is in fact next level. Let's be honest about that. That is next level. But it can be done. And indeed, it has been shown time and again to maximize your health. It's like the 99th percentile of a plant-based diet. It's up there. Super, super, super healthy. Now, is everyone perfect with their diet? No, but it is certainly something to strive for. And this is a great way to get going with that. People always ask, do I eat the perfect diet? Do others at the Physicians Committee eat the perfect diet? I can't speak for them. But for me, my answer is no. But if we're talking in terms of percentiles, I'd say 93rd, 94th, 95th, it's pretty high up there. I'm doing what I consider to be really, really, really well, especially considering where I was coming from initially. But I don't ever want to be in a position also where I'm beating myself up for not eating perfectly. So be good to yourself. I mean, really, really, really good. But also don't sell yourself short. Don't be a bully to the person in the mirror if you eat something that is not perfect. Absolutely, you want to keep it plant-based, but if it's not perfect, there's no need to rake yourself over the coals for that either. Be good to yourself, feel good about yourself, and now you know how to take your diet to that next level. SOS free. More to come on that in the future, no doubt. I'll tell you what, you all have been so good sharing your stories with our five-star success segment. Lots of incredible transformations and positivity and inspiration and kind words about the show. I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So why not do another right now? This five-star success comes to us from Detox Diva on Apple Podcasts, and she writes, I became vegan 20 months ago after being vegetarian for 40 years, and this podcast is great. It is motivating with practical information. Well, thank you so much, Detox. 20 months into it. Hopefully you got some ideas today on how to freshen up your menu got some good ideas with Kathy and opened up a whole new world of possibilities. 20 months in, maybe get some new ideas, freshen it up. Not the worst idea in the world, but thank you so much for your kind words and that nice review. Also, Tori left a five-star rating and a five-star success for us. She writes, this podcast has inspired me to make changes in my life, which have already made a big difference. I've learned so much and I look forward to continuing to learn. Thank you for all that you do. Tori, it is absolutely my pleasure. That's why we do this show. 
so that you can make those changes that have those big, big, big impacts on your health. So we learn a little bit more every single show, one show at a time. That's how we keep raising our health IQs. If you would like to submit your own story for a five-star health success here on the show, would love to have you do it. All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows, leave a five-star rating, and in your review, tell us a little bit about your health transformation and how you've used the exam room to improve your health. And then maybe we can share your story right here on the show and inspire others to get healthy right alongside of us. And there's a link to do that right now in the episode notes. I'll tell you, you want to talk about a health transformation. Let me tell you about Jamie Morgan Reno. Big time plant-based success coming up on the show a little bit later this month. Jamie lost more than 250 pounds. I'll say that again, 250 pounds. Just incredible. You would never recognize her from the before and after photos. And it's not just the weight loss, the totality. I love that word. The totality of her health now is off the charts. I'm so excited that she will be here to share that story with you a little bit later on this month. Stay tuned for that. Really quickly, I want to say hi to all of the exam roomies who came out to the Albany Veg Fest recently and said hi. I was so honored to have the opportunity to speak there and talk about my own story, overcoming that 10,000 calorie a day food addiction and how a plant-based diet now is helping me to keep that addiction at bay and maintain this weight loss. But I met so many incredible exam roomies while I was there and getting the opportunity to speak with you guys one-on-one just absolutely meant the world to me. And then of course, all of the pictures that we took holding up my old pants, I think that that's hysterical. It never ceases to amaze me how many people can fit into one pair of pants. It it is really something else, but this was just a, a first class event up there put together by the Capital Region Vegans. and. Um, Thank you all so very much for coming out. And also to everyone who came out to the comedy show, the vegan comedy show that we held a couple of nights earlier. And that one was headlined by our friend, the vegan comedian, Mike Kaplan. Super funny, super talented guy. And also on the show that night was a comedian by the name of Alex Carabagno, another New Yorker. Hadn't met this guy before, but man alive is he funny. I mean, he had me howling. He's so funny, but he's not just a funny guy. He's a really smart guy, an entrepreneur, because it turns out that he is the co-founder of a couple of vegan Latin restaurants in New York City. Place is called V-Spot. Really, really, really intense, flavorful menu that I think that a lot of people will enjoy. If you get the opportunity, check out V-Spot and bring some of your friends who are not yet plant-based and just blow their mind with that plant-based flavor. I mean, it's so good and they'll never be able to tell the difference. And that's kind of what we learned here today on the show, right? Replicating flavors, the flavors that you've been eating your entire life, how to do it in the healthiest way possible. So cool. So, so, so cool. I love this. 
absolutely love it. I'm as fired up as ever. <laughs> we really are. I mean, in all seriousness, we really are changing lives coast to coast and around the world. Today's episode of the Exam Room Podcast has been powered by the Barnard Medical Center. The primary care clinic in Washington, D.C. practices lifestyle medicine and promotes plant-based nutrition via in-person appointments and telemedicine visits in 18 states. Visit them right now at barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500 to learn more. That's 202-527-7500. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you once again to Kathy, Kate, and Grazzini for being here and putting on this master class in SOS-free cooking and helping to raise our health IQs. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.